You're listening to 105.1 Life FM, Bendigo's Positive Choice, and that was our introduction to Ark Church. Uh, Church's segment. <laughs> it was a cheerful one, that's right, with Samuel Chisichetti. Hi, Samuel, how are you going? Good. Uh, I'm well, apart from my voice that has been overworked because of all the preaching programs I have, uh, you know, as always. So, as always, yes. With my, my voice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you always sound a little scratchy, but I do know that you warm up, so we're waiting for the warm-up. So this is Q&A with Samuel, and last week we started to talk about the Sabbath. And uh, and it was interesting, We just you were just really going through what the meaning of the Sabbath was, and you pointed out that it points to creation and redemption. But the yes. thing that really hit me last week was when you said that you had looked at the breakdown of the word or how it is written in Hebrew yes. and the different symbols. And you said it was uh, shin or shim, bet and tov. Mm -hmm. And that and those three symbols are, are pictorial and you've got sort of one that's that's like something pressing, like teeth pressing down on something. Yep. Bet was a little house and then tov was the sign of the cross. Yep. And actually and that spelt out Sabbath in Hebrew yep. and that it means to press or to toil home to the covenant. Yes. And I really, I, I, I found that so beautiful that within, within the word, God is inviting people to return to him. Yeah. That was just so, so poignant for me last week. And um, I'm really looking forward to what we're going to talk about today as you, um, you talk about, you, you know, what does the Sabbath day then mean to us as Christians? Yeah. Um, and, and probably also what it meant to the early uh, Christian church as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, thanks very much. You know, it's it it, it was it was as as poignant as you said, and uh, very uh, eye opening. Uh, when I was doing this study on on this particular topic, um, and looking at the, the lining of the Hebrew consonant letters, so Shin, Beth, and Tav, and then then you find that the the message lines up. And the first thing that struck me is that, well you find the use of the Sabbath in the book of Genesis. This is before even, you know, the, the fall of man happened. Just God has just finished mm. creating the six days. And then on the seventh day, he rests and it's a Sabbath. And so from the outset at creation, God had planned the way through redemption because the word Sabbath itself within its pictorial reading it tells you press or toil to return home back to the covenant. And so mm -hmm. uh, it, it's just incredible that, you know, we, we, we serve an amazing God who, of course, knows the end from the beginning. And so yep. whatever happened when the man walked away from the covenant, uh, God was not surprised by it. Uh, because he'd already provided a way for redemption. Actually, you know, said as well, once man walked away from the covenant, God makes the first promise. He doesn't even promise it to man because that was already done. That was already done. Mm. First yeah. promise, the messianic promise, the first one is given to God's enemy. The person or this archangel who's just taken man into captivity by his lies, of course. So, mm. you know, God asked man, hey, what did you do? And man goes, well, you gave me the woman, she gave me the fruit. So, you know, your fault and hers. Um, she's also quite striking uh, the way, you know, men dealt with responsibility taking. But put that on side. 
And then he turns to the woman and says, hey, what did you do? She's like, well, the snake gave me the, okay, well, God wasn't going to ask responsibility to the snake. So, yeah. and so since God wasn't going to ask the responsibility to the snake, he just made a promise. Hey, you snake, because you've done this, you're my arch enemy. And, you know, you got kicked out of heaven. Well, this is me paraphrasing, but, you know, but at least if I could quote the scripture, it says, because you've done this, this will happen. You know, the seed of the woman will come. You will bite the seed of the woman's heel, and the seed of the woman will crush your head. That is the first messianic promise in the book of Genesis. Talking yeah. about the seed of the woman being the Messiah, he will come. Mm -hmm. You will bite him. That's as much as you could do. And he will finish you off. And by giving that promise, God had already established the return home back to the covenant through the Messiah. So yeah. it's quite extraordinary that as you start to dig a little bit into the Hebrew language, you'll find a lot and a lot of, uh, of very you know, insightful revelations um, that God had already dropped in there, even in the writing of the word Sabbath. So, yeah, but even the fact that the, that that final symbol is a symbol of a cross, yeah. and this is right at the very beginning, like you say, right in Genesis, that that the that that the cross was already there mm. as a um, as an option, you know, that that God would need to use exactly. to bring people back to that covenant with Him. Yeah, and and, and then you can mm. see because they were talking about the the symbol of the letter Tav, uh, Tav is is a sign, is a cross, and that's. That its meaning is sign or covenant. Now, as you're saying, when you look at the way Colossians puts it, Colossians says that the ordinances that condemned us were torn apart by Christ when he nailed it on the cross. And mm. so on that cross there, the arch enemy of God got to hear, uh, you know, from, from, from the seed of the woman. And the cross was the sign of this covenant. The Bible actually say there is, you know, this has been, I taught over and over. You've got two um, theory of of atonement. Uh, there are two theories of atonement, and the first one being the you know penal substitutionary atonement, which is a quite recent one, but which is biblical. It's biblical penal substitutionary atonement, the double exchange. Christ went on the cross to satisfy the wrath of God. You know, the cup of the wrath of God was poured upon him. Him who knew no sin become sin so we become the righteousness of God on the cross. In fact, Apostle Paul writing in, in Corinthians, I think 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he makes the point that, you know, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, yeah. okay? Yeah. So the, the, yeah. The, the, the return to the covenant is happening right there, right there. God was in Christ mm. on the cross reconciling the world to himself. And so that, that's w w one side. So Christ becomes the substitute uh, for the sinful man, you know, the man who couldn't pay the debt he owed to God. Christ then, who could, because he was God, became man, so he could stand in, stand in man's place as a substitute, and so that the yeah. cup of the wrath of God could be poured on him. And then by his death on the cross, we received the righteousness of God. So, he, you know, our sinfulness went on him, and the righteousness of God came unto us. That's the double exchange. And then yeah, yeah. the other side is the uh, the theory of the atonement that the the church held for centuries uh, before the substitutionary atonement theory was developed, which is the ransom theory. The Christ went as a ransom, 
And so the Bible, the Bible says, for this reason, the Son of Man came uh, not to be served, but to serve and be a ransom for many. And so he mm. became a ransom. A ransom, well, there was a hostage taker. Who took the hostage? That was the devil. The enemy took the hostage. And so Christ went in to say, hey, look, take me and let them go, right? And so yeah. those who developed the substitutionary atonement theory were uncomfortable with the fact that Christ would go and be a ransom in the hand of the devil. But that's what the Bible teaches. And the, their discomfort was like, it seems as though it was deception of some sort uh, when, you know, Christ went in there uh, because, uh, you know, he went in and then and then somehow, you know, he, he, he pulled off, uh, you know, the, the, his might and strength and then overcome the devil. Well, no, the, the way it works and the way to understand it is like when Christ went in, he said, well, take me and let them go, right? And so the devil let the people go free, but Christ went in there into a war. That's how the church always understood it. And so mm. when he went in there, he was not only fully man, he was fully God. There was no uh, ob obstruction to his divinity when he was on, down here. So when he went in there, he was not only man, but he also was God. So he went as, you know, as a ransom for man. And then once he was in, it, you know, he, he, he overcome uh, death as God, right? He overcome death as God. So death was the last frontier. And that was the, the place where the devil had put him. And once he goes into the, 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 um, the tomb, and, and because the, the earth couldn't keep it, the tomb couldn't contain it, contain him, the death couldn't keep him. And so I like mm -hmm. the way Apostle Paul asked the question, death, where is your sting? Because yeah. death was the last frontier. That's where the devil had actually kept the people captive. God gave us eternal life. And the selling ourselves into slavery, you know, took us into death, death which is separation from God. So in that yeah. sense, Christ, by being a ransom, was able to break the shackles of death that the devil has basically you know, tied people down with, and it was the ransom that was capable of setting it himself free from the shackle of the enemy. So in that sense, you know, the ransom theory and the substitutionary atonement theory cover the both sides of the atonement. And so, you know, you look at, you know, when, when uh, he, you know, he says on the cross, you know, it is finished, um, uh, you know, it's, the telestai, which means, you know, this the debt that they owed to God has been paid off, and whatever debt they owed to the enemy has just been finished. Why? Because it's been dealt with. Because, you know, you don't get something from the strong man unless you get into the strong man's house and basically yeah. beat him up, and then you can take him. Yeah. That's yeah, how sure. Christ won his victory yeah. over the devil. It was not deception. It was just the process of how you win victory. You get into the camp of the enemy, and if he's not stronger than you, you beat him up. That's it. It's the meaning of the Sabbath. It's incredible. Yes. And that's what's really exciting about the discussion today. So we'll continue on with that discussion uh, after listening to this song on 105.1 Life FM. You're listening to 105.1 Life FM, Bendigo's Positive Choice, and we are with Samuel Chizakedi. And Samuel, we are discussing the Sabbath. This is session two on the subject. And uh, you've, you've just expanded again on, um, on the depth of the word 
of the Sabbath and then also on the redemptive work that Jesus did on the cross for us and the exchange that happened uh, when he took our sin and we took uh, God's righteousness yes. in that sense. So, but we are talking about the Sabbath and, and in most people's minds that is the, the day, the, the seventh day of the week, um, that people in the Jewish faith uh, set that day aside for the Lord. Yes. So why is it that we don't gather on the Sabbath now as the Christian church? Um, I'm assuming there was some sort of thing that happened probably in the early church's time where they, they had the Sabbath and then they met on the, sun, uh, on the first day of the week um, as a group. But um, so my, in my mind, I'm probably picturing that they, they did both. Um, they went and did their Jewish stuff on, on the Sabbath and then they went and, and did the stuff for the Lord on the, on the first day of the week. I don't know. I'm just sort of imagining. Uh, but we now have the first day of the week. So, yeah. so why do we not gather on the Sabbath if the Sabbath is so important? Mm, okay. Very good. Uh, very good question. The, uh, as as we, we started out in the first segment there, we, we talked about the deeper meaning of, of the Sabbath. You can see that, uh, to the Christian, the Sabbath was just not an, a day to observe. Uh, there was there is a rich meaning uh, in the way the believers, not only then but also now, for those who are quite well studied in scriptures, understand the meaning of the Sabbath. Which is, we read the the uh, you know last week we we did we read um, the text in Hebrew chapter four, which says, "Enter the rest, enter the Sabbath." There is still a Sabbath for the people of God, and so he says, "Those who are you who have uh, believed." We will have believed enter. It doesn't say even we will enter. Uh, Hebrews 4 says uh, that those we who have believed enter this rest. So, uh, you know, you can, a scripture come, comes to mind, um, by the way, which is quite interesting. If you take, um, I just, I feel like it's good for me to emphasize this before I start the debate or the, is it this day or that day? I, I'm going to get to the question you've just asked. But I thought, this would be, you know, worth mentioning. Do you, uh, you know, if you read your Bible, yeah? If you yeah. read your Bible and try to remove the chapter and verses, because this, it was a good idea and it still is to have the Bible in chapter and verses so that you can find, help, help you find where things are. But the Bible wasn't written in chapter and verses, so it was just written as a scroll. So mm. if you go from Matthew 11, yeah? Yeah. And you remove the break, the break between Matthew, the end of Matthew 11 and all the way into Matthew 12, 1 to 14. Yeah. Jesus had just yeah. said, this is Matthew's writing to the Jews, remember? And this is just said in Matthew 11, chapter, um, chapter 11, verse 28. You know, come unto me, you are heavy laden and da, 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 da. I will give you rest. And then you move into chapter 12. Uh, there's a controversy about jesus and the sabbath right there like he's just said come i'll give you rest and and then then you move it into the controversy about uh you know uh, you know jesus and the sabbath where he answers the question to his listeners he said to them for the son of man is the lord of the sabbath is the lord mm. of rest so yeah. 
you can, I'm going to get to that in a moment. You can see Jesus already, if there is any controversy, you know, that happened throughout Jesus' ministry uh, was, you know, the Bible will always say it was the day of the Sabbath. Whenever the day of the Sabbath was mentioned to do with Jesus' ministry, you know, he entered in the synagogue and it was on the day of the Sabbath, and then he healed a man, uh, the man who, the person who had a, a dried hand, or or the woman that had a hatchback. You know, you know, yeah. whenever you you read uh, that it was the day of the Sabbath, you go, uh oh, it's about to go again, and so and there was a reason for that. There was a precedent that Jesus was setting to say, I am ushering in, you know, the Sabbath, the, the very meaning of the Sabbath. And so I'm going to get to that in a second, but let me, let, let me get to uh, answering the question of, of, about, about the day and how the, the early Christians um, uh, looked. Might have observed it. Yeah. 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 So I want to, want to look at, look, look at, at that question. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking of two ways to, to go about this. I can give you some quotations, yeah, uh, mm. from the you know early Christians uh, and how they they went about it. Um, but before I do that, I think I want to take on the argument that is presented by those who are pro Sabbath, because that will give us a bit more of a focus. Okay. Um, there are two fundamental arguments that are presented by those who are who say that the Christians, there are also Christians who observe the Sabbath. Uh, those who are part of those uh, Christians who, who would like to observe uh, the Sabbath rest on Saturday. Uh, the, the argument is twofold. Yeah, The first one is a biblical one, which is that the Sabbath is the fourth commandment. Yeah. Well, observe the Sabbath. It's a fourth commandment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can't just, you know, observe the first, the second, the third, and then jump conveniently the fourth commandment and then mm. go into the fifth all the way to tenth. No, 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 no. You just don't do that. You know, it seems too convenient. If you're gonna yeah. you're not gonna murder, you're gonna lie, you're gonna you gotta observe the Sabbath. Because, you know, people may say, you know, oh look, you know, this did did away with the old testament. But does that mean that he did away with the commandment on murder or the commandment on you shall not make another image uh, that represent God and worship it? Did he do away with you know, honor your father and mother? So anyone who says, oh, look, oh, we don't observe the Sabbath because, you know, this did away with the Old Testament, Old Covenant, covenant is stuck with the fact that the Ten Commandments transcends this covenant. Yeah. All right? The Ten Commandments yeah. is the moral law of God was not done away with by the apostles. They didn't. Okay? No. So, and that, that's quite a strong argument right there. That's quite, and I'm yeah. going to take that one up. The second one that they present is a historic argument to say, well, look, you know, it, it is Constantine uh, who established the uh, the worship on, of, on Sunday that was long, way, way, way long after the Christian early Christian church, you know, it was like 300, you know, 321, um, you know, so before, you know, before you get to, to the Nicene Council, uh, Constantine proclaimed Sunday across the empire as the day of worship. And then some goes going even further to say it was a day that was dedicated to the 
sun god. That's why it's Sunday. And so, mm. you know, it was the paganizing of the Christian church. So two arguments. One is the biblical one, and the other one is historic. So we need to respond to the biblical argument with a biblical uh, response. And I mean, I'm, you know, I'm just assessing this argument biblically. And the second argument needs to be assessed in light of the historical uh, setting. You see what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Now, so we're gonna we're gonna do that. Uh, I'll ask you the question: Which one do you think I should start with? Should I start with the um, you know biblical one, or should I go with the historic one? Well, why don't we start with the biblical one, right. Samuel? Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's do that. And so, when you look at the as, as I was, the statement I was making earlier, the Ten Commandments were not done away with. This is the moral law of God. And so it's not as though you conveniently can just simply dismiss uh, the uh, the Ten Commandments. Now, with the Ten Commandments, when the Lord said, on the Sabbath, you must rest. This is going to be the day of rest. He gave the two reasons we gave earlier. Number one, you rest because I created in six days, and then on the seventh day, you rest. Number two, you rest because I redeemed you from the land of bondage. You remember that? We did that in our first session. Yeah, we did. Now, those are the reasons he says, neither you, neither your servant, no one should work on that day, okay? Now, what the children of Israel had to do was to codify, you know, the, the prohibition is in general terms, okay? So the children of Israel over time, especially when you came to the Pharisees in the days of Jesus, they had codified what activities would represent what should be rested from. Because the prohibition in Exodus 20 does not tell you exactly specifically. Well, okay, well, the Lord said I should rest. Well, if, if my ship fell into, into a ditch on Sabbath, do I get it out or do I leave it in there for the Sabbath day? Is that considered to be work or not considered to be work? You see the questions? Yeah, I do. Yeah. So this question started to arise. So then all the codification of what should and should not be done on the Sabbath became a big, big thing uh, codified yeah. by the, late, the Jewish legislators. And so even when Jesus had ended up, you know, stuck with them uh, was because of the tiny, small codifications that they had done for the Sabbath. And so when we get back to it, uh, I'm, I'm going to sort of start to show you how, as a matter of precedent, Jesus and the apostles did start to say certain things about the way the Sabbath should have been observed and understood. And I'm going to get yeah. that in, in a second. All right. That's great. All right. Well, we'll look forward to that. We'll uh, come back after this song on 105.1 Life FM. You're listening to 105.1 Life FM, Bendigo's Positive Choice. And today with Samuel Chisichetti, we are continuing a discussion about the Sabbath. So, Samuel, we were looking at two arguments for the Sabbath, or we're looking at uh, two areas that we can learn about the Sabbath. One is from a biblical perspective and one's from a historical. Yes. So you started to talk about the biblical perspective. Yep. And so let's start, as I said earlier in, in our early segment, that every time you read your Bible and you hear 
the words, it was the day of the Sabbath. Like, for example, you're reading John chapter 9, verse 14. Jesus heals a blind man who was actually born blind. And then it, it starts by telling us that it was on the day of the Sabbath. Every time you hear it was on Sabbath, oh boy, you know that trouble is around the corner because mm. there were particular little details that the Pharisees and all the Jewish codifiers had come to put in what it means uh, to observe the Sabbath, right? So, yeah, because they'd, they'd made a whole heap of laws, hadn't they? There were yes. hundreds of them. Yes, yeah. yeah, yes. So Jesus started to dismantle those things. For, remember that when, he, when his disciples were in the field and they were you know, getting things to eat? And then, uh, then he, you know, the, the Pharisees said to him, well, why are you disciples you know, harvesting on the Sabbath, right? Why are they cutting some grain to eat on the Sabbath? It's forbidden for them to do that because that's harvesting. You're not working on the Sabbath. And Jesus had quite interesting uh, response to things like that. And, and you know, not, not only does he start to mention that he is the Lord of the Sabbath, in other words, he determines what Sabbath is and what needs to be done on a Sabbath. But more importantly, he starts to make some cases like when you read Mark chapter 2, verse 27, he goes, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath. Mm. And so these are Jesus' words. And you, you can start to see that as you read Jesus' word, it's as though, and I think this is the case, is setting a precedent for the softening of the way the Sabbath was looked at. Jesus did a lot of things that people considered at the time as though he was actually, you know, dismantling uh, the Sabbath. Because it was this, you know, it's as though did Jesus obey all the other commandments and broke the fourth one. Um, and so and he was accused of that until he came to say, well, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. When I was actually the, uh, uh, preaching this a couple of Sundays ago to say that when he, he says, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath, to be the Lord is to be the honor, the rightful mm. honor of something. Now, you can be the rightful honor of something by the, me the means of being the maker of it because you made it. Or you can be the rightful of something, rightful honor of something because you took it away from somebody else who used to have it by the means of be, you being more powerful than they are. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So by him saying, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath, you know, this is Matthew is a Jew writing to the Jews. Only God yeah. Yeah. is the Lord of the Sabbath. And so I like mm. the way uh, D.A. Carson um, D.A. Carson is, you know, one of those very, very highly respected theologians. D.A. Carson, in his book, From Sabbath to the Lord's Day, up page 66, this is what D.A. Carson writes, that Jesus Christ is the Lord of the Sabbath is not only a messianic claim of grand proportion, saying I'm the owner of the Sabbath, I'm the God who instituted the Sabbath, that's what it means, but it mm. raised the possibility of a future change or reinterpretation of the Sabbath in precisely the same way that his professed superiority over the temple raises certain possibility about ritual laws. Listen to mm. that. So yeah. when he says there is here greater than the temple, you know, it's as, as he was speaking of the future of the ritual laws in the temple. You know, you got to, you know, kill the animals and spread the blood and stuff like that because he was greater than the temple. When he says, 
I am superior to the temple in the same way I am the Lord of the Sabbath. So when we hear him say, I am, you know, superior to the temple, there is here greater than the temple. We suddenly understood that he was doing away with the, you know, the sacrificial laws and the ritual laws that the temple was for. You see mm. what I'm saying? Yeah. And in the same yeah. way, when he says, I'm the master, this, this, that's, to me, that's, dear Carson has put it in the, in the clearest of terms, uh, you can't take one and leave the other otherwise. Now, let's look at the way the apostles, especially Paul, has written a lot. He's our Paul. Remember, Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles. And when he went to the Gentiles, you know, he's a Jew, he's a Pharisee, and all disciples of Jesus were Jews. And so he's going to the, uh, to the um, Gentiles, raised a lot of questions of how are the Gentiles going to be coming into this, you know, Christian fall, which is pretty much a, a tender shoot of a Jewish religion. You know, Christianity mm. was a shoot of the Jewish religion. So what should they observe? What shouldn't they observe? It became a big controversy that basically uh, triggered the first Jerusalem Council. Remember that? Mm -hmm. Acts chapter 15. Yeah. Yeah. Now, here is Apostle Paul writing to the church in Colossae, um, Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. Let no one pass judgment on you in question of food and drink, or with regard to a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belong to Christ. Mm -hmm. Into that, that's quite an interesting. Yeah. And, and and what Paul is writing here is very remarkable. I, I'll quote uh, another theologian, Tom Schreiner. Uh, here's what he writes: For the Apostle Paul, for he lumps the Sabbath together with food laws, festivals like Passover, and new moons. All these constitute shadows that anticipate the coming of Christ. So. When Christ comes and the food laws and the festivals and including the Sabbath, all this is included. That's why Chris say, I am the Lord of the Sabbath uh, was very significant. So since that Christ has come, uh, the observing of the Sabbath had now had to take the meaning of what the Sabbath is within what Christ prescribes it. Okay. And listen to mm -hmm. Paul saying, let no one pass judgment on you. In other words, if you yeah. didn't, if you didn't observe the Sabbath, no one should pass judgment on you. It is quite striking, okay? It's quite striking. Like, for example, consider uh, these words of Paul in relation to what was written in the Old Testament. You shall keep the Sabbath, Exodus chapter thirty-one, verse fourteen. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Right. Now, Paul writes, he's a Pharisee, he's a follower of Jesus, he's a Jew. Romans 14, verse 5, he says that one person esteems one day as better than other, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Mm -hmm. Think about that. Think about that. And let's say you go back to what he says in Colossians, let no one pass judgment. What? If some, you can see in the mind of the believers already then, this is within the writing of Paul, he even mentions the Sabbath. 
let no one pass judgment. Somebody you know, consider these days so, so important. Somebody else doesn't, but let everybody just determine in their own mind. Are you with me so far? Yes, absolutely. So, you consider the being stoned for not observing the Sabbath and Paul saying, let no one pass judgment. Well, if you esteem it's good for you, go for it. If you esteem it's not, it's all right. It's, it's really big, strong watering down, especially coming from someone who was a Pharisee by training and was a Jew and a teacher, you can see a, 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 a disciple of Christ. You can see as you then go forward, you find out that the case I'm going to make, uh, you know, historically was built on the, the understanding of the people who came straight after Paul, their understanding based on the attitude that Paul had. Are you with me so far? Yeah, do, do you think that that attitude came from the, the fact that um, that Jesus paid the price? So what you were saying before, a lot of the, the sacraments and everything else were no longer necessary because Jesus paid the price. And so those things um, don't necessarily apply. Yeah. So they were working out of the knowledge that Jesus had fulfilled everything. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. Yeah. So he, he is able to change those things from from that standpoint yeah. and, 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 and yeah, yeah, and they were trying to teach that then to the new believers as well yeah. as to the, the uh, Christians that were coming out of uh, Judaism. Exactly. I'll get into that with you in a in, in few seconds here, you'll see. And you, you see what Paul was establishing here. You've made a very good point. I'm coming to it. And so what Paul is establishing here, that if there were people in the Christian tradition who were eager to maintain the tradition of their fathers, like the Jews, uh, Paul had mm. no issue with those Christians, so long as they refrained from pressuring others to imitate them or suggest that salvation hinged on obedience to the Sabbath. So when you read, yeah, and which is what they were saying, wasn't it? There yeah, were exactly. those things that they were putting up and circumcision and a number of other things. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. you read Galatians yeah. chapter four from verse eight to verse eleven. Um, you know, there's a good article written on desiring God. Uh, you know, John Piper's Desiring God site, which sort of, you know, delve with this thing as well. So, you know, for the sake of Christian freedom and mutual law, Paul says simply and remarkably, each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. That's Romans 14, verse 5, we've just read. And so, yeah. all that thought, you can see Jesus start to usher in this sort of softening of the way the Sabbath had now been sort of held by the Jewish community uh, to, to institute this new meaning of the Sabbath and, and, and its observance, which is quite very different. And so, hold on to that thought and we're coming back. All right. So, um, after this next song, we'll come back and uh, discuss that a little bit further as our run to the finish. You're listening to 105.1 Life FM, Bendigo's Positive Choice. And Samuel, um, we've been discussing the biblical um, texts, particularly the writings of Paul uh, to the new Christians that weren't uh, Jewish, uh, to the Gentiles, um, that transitioned the, the thoughts around the Sabbath or the things that had been put in place around um, Judaism that didn't really seem to apply or, or he was making uh, the argument that it didn't apply to the new Gentiles, that if people wanted to observe it, they could, but if they um, if they wanted to observe things differently, then they could do that as well, uh, that each man had to uh, find 
that within his own heart. Really sort of interesting the way he tries to transition um, the early church in that way of thinking because of his understanding that Jesus had made uh, all things new uh, yeah. and that through his death that he had he had really fulfilled everything uh, that the Old Testament had prophesied. So, um, you know, when we, we look into that and, and then we, we press past that, you know, it, it then goes into uh, what leads up to us now in this yeah. day and age, yeah. observing uh, that time, that day of rest on a different day. So how do you see that all progressed over you know a period of time yeah very interesting um just from a theological standpoint remember that when we started out you know the sabbath had two meanings remember that uh yep. the, the creation meaning and the redemption redemption yeah okay. and and everybody mm -hmm. goes remember that and so when paul uh, and all the apostles went to preach uh the uh to preach the gospel uh, guess what was the message? What exactly did they preach? They preached Christ crucified and raised from the dead, right? Yes, yes. They preached wherever they even they the were gospel. in the synagogue. Yeah. The gospel was Christ died for our sins, and God raised Christ from the dead and gave us this eternal hope. That's why, I and that He was the Messiah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it, it died because of that. It's like God vindicated Christ. Uh, by his resurrection to say that he actually was who he said he was. That's how the message mm. of the gospel was. Now, yeah. there are two interesting things you'll find out, which is going to give us a transition to what actually the early Christians did uh, and why they did it. The early Christians considered that Christ rose, not considered, it was a fact, that Christ rose on what day? Remember, it was the first day of the week. Yeah, <laughs> first day of the week. Right, arrested, you know, Thursday early morning and dragged throughout the day, Friday. No, yeah, you know, so you know, late late night, Thursday, he had the, you know, the um, I mean, there are arguments about days, which day was it, but uh, let's, for the sake of the argument, uh, look at you know, the most agreed upon that, he, you know, he did the, the um, communion um, of the Lord's Supper. Uh, on the Thursday night, and he went into the garden early Friday morning. He's arrested, he's dragged before you know the Sanhedrin, he's taken to you know, um, Pontius Pilate, he's whipped he's and everything else, yeah, arrowed up yeah. and back, and then he's gone yeah. all the way to the cross and he's stuck on that cross. And it was the day of preparation. Um, so when he dies, they pull him down because it's gonna be, um, it's gonna be a uh, Sabbath soon according to what John tells us, and says that this was one of the most important Sabbath. So they pull him down, they put him in, into the tomb, and then everybody goes for the Sabbath rest. And then early morning on the first day of the week, uh, which is what we say Sunday now, on the first day of the week, uh, the women went to the tomb and they found the tomb was empty. So mm. he's basically raised from the dead on the day after the Sabbath. And so that becomes a big day for the believers. They they considered that to be a, a big, big day. You know, I'm going to give you a bunch of references when we start to look at the historical co context of what then, uh, you know, John writes in Revelation, what is called the day of the Lord. You know, Revelation chapter 1, verse 10, he says, I had a vision on the day of the Lord. And so the day of the Lord uh, was the day of the resurrection to the believer, because when John tells you that I had the, the revelation he saw 
was he saw it on the day of the Lord. And, and Apostle Paul and others will say, on the first day of the week, prepare your offering. He's, for example, instructing uh, the church, the Ephesian church in Act of the Apostle chapter 20. You know, you know, I think it's 16 or 20. Uh, you know, on the first day of the week, you know, that first day of the week is the day after the Sabbath. Hmm. And so, theologically, the day of the resurrection became a big thing for the believers. Now, it's doesn't still say that, you know, the, that they had replaced the Sabbath. I'm just introducing something that we will see as a trend from there on. Remember, Apostle Paul said, well, look, just temper down these, you know, hard observance of the days. If one wants to observe Sabbath, that's fine. One doesn't, that everybody does as they're convinced. So that's he introduces you watering down this strong observance of the Sabbath, um, you know, as the seventh day of the week. Why? Now the question is, why would he be doing that? Why would he be saying that? It's because the Christians had come to conclude that the death and the resurrection of Jesus ushered a new covenant, not only a new covenant, it ushered a new creation. Right. Yeah. Which is the main, the first central reason for the observing of Sabbath, because God created. And how do we know this? You can hear it in Apostle Paul's language. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, all the way to 20. He says, if anyone be in Christ, he is new creation. You know, mm. some say he's new creature. No, the apostles considered, if, if, if you go into your Bible and do a, a study on the newness of life in Christ, it is a big thematic. Anyone, Apostle Paul writing in Romans, for example, he says that when we die in Christ, you know, you actually literally dead. And you, when you come out of the water of baptism, you are literally new. Okay? Yes. You're literally new. Yeah. So uh, yeah. the, the, the apostles came to consider that the resurrection represented this new creation. That's why anyone who's in Christ is new creation. So it had now become a new creation. The new creation happened on the day of the resurrection. All right? So right. going to be celebrated yeah. because it's new creation. And then we already know that the redemption, the new redemption happened on the day of the resurrection too. So if Christ died and rose from the dead, now our message has got some hope. Our message got some meaning. First Corinthians chapter 15, Apostle Paul makes that particular case. So the creation and redemption found themselves in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. For yeah. those reasons, the yeah. early church start to gather on what they called the day of the Lord. Now, let me look at the historical case. I want to dismantle, first of all, the idea that, you know, the gathering of the apostles on Sunday uh, was something that Constantine established. You know, you know, 321, you know, Emperor, Emperor Constantine comes in, he's given his life to Christ. There used to be this Sunday, you know, uh, the day it was dedicated to the sun god. No, I'm going to start by reading the earliest document we have. Let's start with the Didache, for example, 90 AD, which was, the Didache was the teaching of the apostles, that's what it's called. Um, it says, that Christian assembly is on the Lord's day, but every uh, but every Lord's day do ye gather yourselves together and break bread and give thanksgiving after having confessed your transgressions that your sacrifice may be pure, but let no one that is at variance with his fellow come together with you until 
they be reconciled that your sacrifice may not be profaned. For this is that which was spoken by the Lord in every place and time offered to me a pure sacrifice. For I am a great king, says the Lord, and my name is wonderful among the nations. This is the mm. dedicate or the dedicate or the teaching of the apostles. Chapter 14, if you want to find out. I can give you some of the documents just for the sake of uh of the uh, historical record. For example, the Gospel of Barnabas, the Epistle of Barnabas, which we don't really use, but for because it's an early document for historical purpose. We keep the eighth day, which is Sunday, with joyfulness, the day also on which Jesus rose again from the dead. Are you with me? And so yeah. this is the Epistle of Barnabas written in 180. Now, the same epistle of Barnabas, 180. Moreover, I'm, I'm quoting, moreover, God says to the Jews, your new moons and Sabbath cannot endure. You see how he says, the present Sabbaths are not acceptable to me, but the Sabbath which I have made in which uh, when I have rested, heavens, um, Hebrews chapter 4, from all things, I will make the beginning of the eighth day, which is the beginning of another world. You can see the, the theme of creation here. Wherefore, we Christians keep the eighth day for joy, on which also Jesus rose from the dead, when he appeared and ascended into heaven. Now, you might say, well, this is the, you know, the uh, you know, epistle of Barnabas we don't use. I was going to, just as a matter of finishing off, Wrote a document in 110 AD written by Pliny the Younger, uh, a you know a Roman historian, and he says they were in the habit of meeting on a certain fixed day before it was light when they sang in alternate verse of the hymn to Christ, and their word nor deny a trust when they should be called upon to deliver it up after which it was the custom to separate and then reassemble to uh, partake of good food, food of, of, but food of an ordinary and innocent kind. And so uh, before I read you, the, the, it's, a, it's a, a, a huge all, uh, um, a quotation there, uh, given the time we have, uh, you can see here that Pliny is saying that the Christians didn't just gather with the Jews the same way. They had a particular day they gathered, which makes the case for us that they actually gathered on a different day than the day of Sabbath. Yeah, but doesn't it also describe that in Acts, that um, that they met together on the first day of the week? Yes, yes. Anyway? Uh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. in the interest of time, I'd like to ask our listeners to consider this as, I, as I'm closing. We're going to get back to this historical case in details, and then we'll contrast whether you know sabbath did matter what was the clash and how you know then sunday became just simply the, the soul day uh, which means the split between the, the judaism and christianity it happened at some point now yeah but as as we are right now remember for the christians the resurrection represented new creation and redemption which were both the strong solid meaning of the Sabbath. If you don't feel convinced so far, it's okay because when I make the historical case, you can see how that conviction will then set in. But up until now, let's just remember 
that it was the deeper meaning of the Sabbath that the Christian attached themselves to rather than the observance as it was prescribed by the Pharisees at the time. At the time, yep. All right, and, uh, and you'll probably touch on the commandments, will you, as well, the Ten Commandments? We did. We did by saying that, that you know, the commandments were kept, but Jesus ushered a transition in a new way. People had to observe, yeah. especially that fourth commandment. All right. Well, that sounds really good. So next week we will uh, see if we can do an attempt to wrap this up. But uh, a great subject and something that, you know, we we really need to understand because, you know, a lot of people uh, just really don't understand why things are done the way they are done now. Yeah. So thank you, Samuel, for opening that up for us. And we look forward to uh, speaking about it again next week on 105.1 Life FM, Bendigo's Positive Choice. <laughs>